Good morning, everyone. Uh, we're just doing this little segment because yesterday we had so much content, we couldn't get this podcast out right on time. And then the game started, which got pretty crazy. And then me and Vivian were texting at the end of the game, which surprisingly got pretty good. You know, it was like a one or two point differential. And we had, we, we, we just said we have to record something tomorrow morning and add it to this podcast. What did you think of the game, Vivian? What did you see last night? Um, obviously, we talked a little bit about this game yesterday. Everyone will hear about it later on in the podcast if they make it to the end. But, you know, when we were talking about this game yesterday, it was not <laughs> an exciting, like, primetime game. I don't think either of us was excited for this game, but it turned out to be pretty damn entertaining. And I don't know if it's just because it was in prime time so weird things happen or we're just so starved for football that like and we'll be entertained like by anything at this point but last night's game was pretty wild yep uh Heine, you know heineken showed up instead of fitz magic he bulked up got some tats and let me know if his legend has just begun yeah um so spoiler alert um for anyone who makes it through the end of this podcast so a little bit um i'm gonna go backwards a little bit and talk a little bit about what we talked about yesterday but you know this game giants at washington football team the washington football team were the favorites minus 175 it was a three and a half point spread over under 40 and a half First of all, this game hit the over. The end score was 29 to 30. I was really surprised by that. Um, We talked about Daniel Jones being undefeated against the Washington football team, but also 0-5 in prime time. So he's no longer undefeated against the Washington football team and is now 0-6 in prime time. Uh, But... This is like almost like the Steelers um, game over the weekend. I feel like, like, I don't know about you, Moan. I feel like every time we talk about these teams and we're just like, this is going to be a terrible game. Like, this team sucks. Like, somehow they always come out with like a vengeance. It's like they listen to our podcast or something. They're just like, oh, they're talking Like, no, we're going to show them what we're made of. Because Daniel Dimes came out last night, you know, through through that first touchdown pass, and I was just like, what the heck? What is happening? <laughs> yeah, he turned into Tom Brady out of nowhere. I guess. Yeah, it was... <laughs> um, yeah, it's so bizarre. You know, yesterday we were talking about how, like, we don't want any part of the Giants' offense, uh, Saquon, even Saquon, like, you know, they, they don't have a they don't really have a reason to increase his usage coming off an injury given that they're not really playoff contenders um but the giants really held their own last night but i think the story that everyone is talking about is taylor heineke you know i he only played a little bit last year um there was flashes of greatness um i mentioned later on in the podcast from yesterday that you know, I wasn't sure if I was a true Heineke believer, um, possibly downgrade for 
the offensive weapons on that team aside from Antonio Gibson, but boy, did he prove us wrong. So Taylor Heineke, 336 yards last night, two touchdowns and a 99.6 passer rating. Um, and actually in his last two starts, because that's pretty much all he's had, he's gone 60 for 90, 642 total yards and three touchdowns. Amazing. Are you a Heineke believer, Milton? <laughs> Look, he passes the eye test. Uh, I still got to see a little bit more of him. At this stage, he's like a poor man's Fitzmagic. But maybe he's learning from him the best. Yeah, I think aside from, um, what was it, in the third or the fourth, that one um, interception that he threw where all the Washington football team fans, like their lives just like flash before their eyes. Like aside from that um, interception, like he was really solid last night and... You know, I'm back on the Washington football team hype train. I'm excited to see what they do this year. Their defense is good. Unfortunately, it looks like this is one of those cases where you can be a good defense or you can be a good player on the field, but doesn't always translate into fantasy points. Um, they just, you know, like the moves that the defense makes, like doesn't actually score you any points. Um I wouldn't say for sure that the Washington football team defense is a drop, but no defense is really worth holding for the full season. So if you're looking, if you have Washington football team defense and you're looking to stream, like no reason to keep them on um, after that, after um, their performance against the Giants. In terms of the other players on the their this offense, uh, Antonio Gibson was subbed out for multiple goal line drives you know McKissick was the lead back for all three downs and when the Washington football team fell behind and Gibson finished with 13 carries two targets put up a decent I guess 8.9 points in half PPR formats but I think that's a little less than what you hope for I think people who have Gibson I think a lot of people probably drafted him actually as an RB1 unless you took him at the end of the turn, um, in which case he's your RB2. I actually know a lot of people who unfortunately have Saquon as their um, round one pick because they're at the end of the turn and need a running back, and then they took Gibson um, at the start of the second. So having Saquon and Gibson, <laughs> like going into the season, you probably thought you were set at running back, and now you're probably like, oh, I don't know. If that was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> but the frustrating thing is, like, the problem here isn't Gibson's talent. Like, he looked electric every time he touched the ball last night. It's just he's not getting enough usage. And I don't really know what Ron Rivera's plan is the rest of the season, but it would make me a little bit nervous, especially if Gibson is my RB1. Um, Ron Rivera is making it to my hit list next week. So mm -hmm. stay tuned for that rant because, yes, I have a lot of strong words for him. Okay. Well, stay tuned for that. Um, Logan Thomas, interesting one. You know, he is actually, he was a pretty solid tight end last year. I streamed him for the championship in another, in uh, one of my outside leagues. So Logan Thomas for this game, he was on the field for like all the snaps. Um, 75 of 82 dropbacks. So a lot of usage there if you're looking for a tight end and he is still sitting out there on the waivers. Scary Terry is still scary um, with Heineke at the helm. So I don't think 
anything to worry about there unless you sat him <laughs> last night then you're probably a little bit worried um but yeah all in all the Washington football team looked good squeezed out that win on the flip side of things um the Giants so we talked a little bit about Saquon Saquon last night he went one carry for 41 yards and then uh 12 more for 16 yards not great um again the Giants don't really have a reason to really put him out there but his um, usage is increasing week over week so week one um, 48% week two we saw 84% his touch share in week one was only 11 which is 64.7% and last night 15 um, which is 83.3% so it's trending up um, I'd still be worried <laughs> if I drafted him which I did not we told but, him yeah <laughs> Um, the really, the big star on this team is Sterling Shepard. Um, this guy, he's now, I know it's only week two, but he's averaging 25.1 fantasy points and 10 targets over the last few games. Um, so yeah, a really, really solid, if he's your wide receiver too, like you're set, you know, cause the, the ceiling is there. Um, the floor is probably relatively decent as well. So, good wide receiver too, good flex play. Uh, Galladay, on the other hand, not so much. Um, I know you called it out during the game when he was getting pissy on the sidelines. Um, But yeah, like, even during the game, I think it was, like, Joe Buck, he was, like, um, in the commentary, he's like, Daniel Jones, like, misses a wide-open Galladay again, so, like... You know that when it's happening so much that the the commentators are calling it out, like, I can only imagine how frustrating it is for Galladay. But, like, him and Daniel Jones just don't have any chemistry from what I can see. And that's it's part of what happens when you miss, um, miss training camp. You know, Daniel Jones is not really the gunslinger that Matt Stafford was, which I'm sure Galladay is missing right now. Galladay also doesn't get as much separation as Sterling Shepard, I think. Um, and Daniel Jones is just not as good of a quarterback. Like, I don't think Galladay realized how good it was to have an elite quarterback throwing at him. So, really unfortunate. I He was on my no-draft list this year, knowing that Daniel Jones was throwing to him. Um, I don't know if you took him in, in any of your leagues. but No, no, no. No Giants God. in my team, yeah. Yeah, no Giants. There's certain teams, you know, it's just like, I know we, t- we talked a little bit last yesterday about, you know, good players on bad offense teams can still put up points, but there's just like good players on bad offense teams that you just, it's it's not happening. It's not happening. And I feel like Galladay is one of them. Like, he was so fantasy relevant, you know, the last few years with Matt Stafford, but not with Daniel Jones. Now <laughs> I know their best player, and I'm going to snatch him right now, right after this recording, is Graham Gano, or Gano, their kicker. He made the most points, right? So, yeah. Yeah, 22 points from a kicker. I don't think anybody in our, at least the leagues that I'm in, nobody has him. Nobody started him. Who Like, who would have thought? Who would have thought the kicker from the Giants is who you want on your roster? But yeah, a whopping 22 points. You know, I was reading, like, Twitter 
uh, and read it, and people were just like, I can't believe my opponent's kicker outscored my, like, running back or receiver. Or I think running back, because a lot of people started Saquon, and they're just like, I can't believe, like, getting beat by a kicker. Well, I was checking our leagues, no one started Saquon, so that's interesting. Hmm. We got some smart managers out there. This is war. Welcome, all you uh, Great Iron monks, and I guess Great Iron Ikunis. That's how female monks are now known as. And I got that from Wikipedia, so thank you, Wikipedia, for your insight. To our third episode of our Out of Your League podcast, sponsored by Media Thought Monks. <laughs> so that makes my super dependable, you know, kind of, kind of a Christian McCaffrey co-host Vivian, a master Bikuni. <laughs> That's right, Milton. Women have started with authority by beating mighty powerhouses like Rob Sunday Night King or your very own Diablos. Christina's team leads the power rankings right now with a whopping 165 points. Well, you've heard it. Uh, here we are. We're going to do this fast. There's a lot of stuff to cover. So we're going to start with our new branded updated segment called Tom Brady's two-minute drill. So we're going to go fast. Stay with me and stay close to me. We're going to score this in less than two minutes. League 1. I am Ted Lasso who gets a big win over Commission Revis and Butthead, who fell short of projections. Robbie's remarkable team took down Boomer thanks to Tyreek Hill. Fresh Prince of Hilaire barely edged out over Sack Lunch after A-Rod dropped the poo-poo. In the biggest blowout of the week, Christina's primo team took down the Sunday Night King with 165 whopping points. Friday Night Corgis take a win over Laces Out even with 0 points from Ayuk. And Kendall Beckham Jr. defeats Fantasy Football Team who fell short of projection. League 2, Hamboni took down Janelle's Rat Pack and Sky Superchargers ate digs in a blanket for lunch. Media Gronks was no match for Galito Bandito, but it was Touchdown Monks with a big week blowout against JT's Legends. Henry's expert team is not so expert after all, as Whose House takes them down by 33 points. And finally, Williams Wondrous team squeezed the win over Nathan's nifty team. League 3 random choices fell to the hands of Murray's bagels in a devastating 0.08 point loss. Los Diablos Wapos kept it close, but it was Alvin and the Monks that came out with the win. It took more than a feeling to win over the Oaxaca Cheeseheads, but 728 times 90 had no problem beating Gronk's girlfriend. Osei Kwon you see with 2020 vision since Aaron Balls out did not ball out in week 1. Mr. Hot Take shirt was quiet after the biggest loss of the week to hurt so good. League 4 Rebeculous takes the win over a Gronk yourself while False Gold falls to Hook and Thielen. Los Diablos Wapos was crushed by Crossface Killa in a 48 point loss. Again, their precision mode. Rogers in Jeopardy sure looked in Jeopardy after starring Trey Sermon and A Rod. Third string kickers for the win. LA Cook J sure was cooking this week as Pop Locket dropped it up a loss. And with the help of Pat Mahomes, Smilov's majestic team took down the Drill Sweet Drake Rogers. In League 5, in the Battle of Champs, it was Sunday Night King who took down I'm Thinking Arby's, met caffeinated tackle from Mika's tackle team, and beats by Ray crushed LFG, Smash Mouth Football proved victorious against the SD football team. And despite having an eye 
IRRB on her starting roster, Navy's notable team takes down Costa's breathtaking team. Don't overthink, we've only in League 1. That's how Kevin's reasonable team was able to overtake Peaches and Herbert. Finally, League 6, Big from the Hills saw a big win in bye week matchup. While downtown Cryer took down the France's first-rate team, Edward's super teams sure looked better than average leather in a 35-point win. B Legendary had a legendary win over Ashton's astounding team, while Old Saquon UC fell to the hands of Trey Airy. Mike Will made it, really made it, with Godwin and Kelsey, who helped him take down Marcelo's match with Steam. <laughs> so, Milton, obviously, week one overreactions are back. But let's talk about the fantasy hit list. And this is something I just made mm. up. <laughs> but the fantasy hit list is essentially guys, um, I guess, or gals, but this is NFL, mostly dudes, um, who have committed crimes <laughs> against the game of fantasy football this week. So these are people I'm thinking they're wanted by fantasy owners for just absolutely crushing our hopes and dreams so i'll start off with a couple mm-hmm. um i think number one on the fantasy hit list for a lot of people this week are the 49ers beat reporters and kyle shanahan so going into the season we all knew moster was the guy then all throughout camp and preseason everyone was hyping up trey sermon you know he's the third round draft pick Everyone was saying he looks so good in training camp. He's locked in the second RB role. And then all of a sudden, come game day, Sunday morning, if you own Sermon, you got a little notification that said, Sermon is inactive. He's not injured. He doesn't have COVID. Kyle Shanahan just decided to sit him. He becomes a healthy scratch. Like, what in the world? <laughs> um you know how I feel about this, you know, RBBC backfield. This was just like a whole nother level this week. And I think it really screwed a lot of people over. Um, second on the fantasy hit list, in my opinion, Urban Meyer. So Urban Meyer completely wrote James Robinson out of the game script against the Houston Texans, who had the worst run defense in the entire NFL in 2020. And apparently he came out yesterday um, in an interview and said they have to get James Robinson more involved in the game is his um, epiphany that he had after the brutal weekend loss to the Texans. Like, Urban, you are getting paid a lot of money to have just figured this out. And I'm just like, this is insane. James Robinson had such a good season last year. He's the clear RB1 on that team. And for him to not get any usage, barely any usage at all, which is absolutely criminal. So anyone on your fantasy hit list, Milton? I love this segment, uh, Davian. Thank you for coming up with it. Just want to add that Urban Meyer is becoming the clown of the league. You know, it started with Team Tebow and all his clown show. Uh, I have no words. Thank you for calling him up. I hope he's listening to our podcast. Uh, in my case, it's got to be Aaron Rodgers. Now, we all have a little bit of an A-Rod inside us, you know, that just wants to blow up everything when we're upset or not happy with the situation. Like, we want to teach him a lesson. I'm currently feeling just like that with my manager. I'm not even going to say stuff. Let me not go there in the work stuff. But anyways, I get it. Still, sadly, 
is taking down with him both Devontae Adams and the other Aaron and his team, Jones. So very selfish of you, Aaron. You know, I know you're angry. I feel you, man. I get you, but come on. Do it to your real owners, but what do we do to you, man? We here at the fantasy world. So you're on my hit list. And Mike McCarthy. I know this is controversial, but it's Mike McCarthy and just his running backs. Because if you own any of these wide receivers or, or Dak Prescott, you're in the clouds right now. Uh, we had a discussion in our Slack channel about Seek being a bust. And it got pretty heated. Uh, in the end, I couldn't go to sleep thinking on something that our own Sterling Stovall from the team Aaron Balls Out in League, uh, I think it's four or three. Well, he was saying that McCarthy simply hates running backs, which is totally the opposite of what you just said about uh, Kyle Shanahan and his collection of ton of running backs that, that break out of the box anyways. Uh, so he just uses them as... Uh, Extra alignments, that's his thing. I just, that uh, epiphany came to my head. So seek is now just an extra alignment. I mean, I guess it's good for, again, wide receivers and back. But they all, all they do nowadays is throw the ball. But sad to see all you owners out there that invested a first-round pick on seek. Nice. Yeah, I think as the season go on, goes on, I we'll probably see more and more people move into the fantasy hit list. I'd love to get some of the folks out from the Gridiron Monks League on the podcast and they can talk to us about who's on their hit list for the week. But let's get into our week one recaps. Man, I was so excited about having football on Thursday night. Milton, you have no idea. Like, so oh, nice. I went to my favorite sports bar, sat outside, had a beer, watched the game. There were a bunch of a uh, bunch of people had their dogs out. It was it was a great Thursday night. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the game. So Thursday night, Cowboy versus Bucks. Bucks won twenty nine to thirty one. Um. I think I mentioned this last week, and if I didn't, I was definitely talking about it offline to other people. New Bucks weren't going to cover. Um, if you started Dak, um, Amari Cooper, um, Antonio Brown, either Godwin or Lamb, and Gronk, you would have had over 142 points from this game alone. You would be insane because you started like almost all the players in one game, but goddamn, you probably won your week on day one of the season, which is crazy. Um, so Cowboys looked really good. I thought with Jack at the helm, he went 42 for 58, 403 yards, three touchdowns, um, with just one interception and a fumble. He had great poise in the pocket, um, short to mid range passes. We talked about that on the podcast last week, really got them to where they needed to be. They were off. Um, I think the first quarter was a little bit rocky, but they got into their groove. Uh, Greg, the leg off to a shaky start as well. You know, he had back surgery, I think right before the season started, but he really delivered where it mattered at, towards the end of the game, um, for the fantasy owners. And then, uh, let's talk about the receivers. So over Dak's last five fully healthy games, Amari Cooper is averaging 24.8 fantasy points per game. 
So for reference, that number would have easily made Cooper the wide receiver two over Tyreek Hill last season wow. with averaging 21.9 um, mm -hmm. points per game. And, you know, it looks like Gallup is going to be out for the next three to five weeks. So definitely fire up your Mari Coopers and CD Lambs because these two combined had 31 targets, 20 receptions, 243 yards, and three touchdowns, um, which amazing numbers for fantasy owners. Mm -hmm. And then our favorite topic of discussion, of course, Zeke. <laughs> mm -hmm. Zeke had his arguably his toughest matchup all year but he also did not look good like both can be true like one it was a hard, tough game for him because of the bucks defense but also like he looked kind of terrible with only 33 yards and i think that if he's still struggling in week six when they played the patriots who had the 26 ranked run defense in 2020 then you're definitely in trouble it's especially if you drafted him at his ADP. Like, that really sucks. You know a little bit something about um, owning Zeke, don't you, Milton? Well, but just like I said, he gets tired of blocking people. He's just an extra lineman. So I feel, I used to think he's a bust. Now I just feel bad for the man. Yeah. Um, Bucks offense. So let's talk mm -hmm. about the target mm -hmm. shares here. Uh, Mike Evans, 13%. He had those two tipped passes. Mm -hmm. um, I think for Evans, I think you just need to go week by week and kind of play the scheme and see who the cornerback matchup is for him. Um, Cause he's going to be very boom or bust. The ceiling is definitely there for Mike Evans, obviously on this Bucks offense, um, but it's not going to be the consistency you necessarily want. So Antonio Brown, surprisingly, 15% of the targets. Godwin, 30%. Uh, I think, generally speaking, the Bucks' offense is going to be a roulette wheel all season long. Uh, Gronk, I think, was a nice surprise for anybody who started him. Um, eight for eight on targets with 90 yards and two touchdowns. That He got 16% of the target shares. Um, again, very boomer bust. I think because he's a really good blocking tight end. So he's going to definitely get more usage on that. So it's very, I think Gronk's play is very TD dependent for the rest of the season. And I think you're just going to have to play the matchup. And Tony Brown is really interesting. I think he's definitely playable next week against the Falcons who looked um, terrible in this past week. And then yeah. one thing that was really interesting was Fournette getting most of the reps basically after um, Rojo fumbled early in the game. Arians came out afterwards and said that he felt like he, Ronald Jones, couldn't get his head in the game. But I don't, I kind of hate when coaches do that because like maybe your lack of trust to put him back in after like one mistake, that's probably what's getting into his head, don't you think? <laughs> uh yeah uh, uh uh it's like parents when they spank you just for a little thing and then you, you your whole adolescence is just broken up uh, their teenage years are just messed up <laughs> exactly um then we get into sunday's game so lots of good games from this on the slate um uh, first one we have here seahawks played the colts 
and they won 28 to 16. So I think this first game, obviously first game of the season. So we're getting early season Russell Wilson here. So he's cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, 18 for 23, 254 yards and four touchdowns against the Colts defense, which is actually a pretty good defense. Yeah. Um, it looks like the new offensive coordinator situation is really working for him and Tyler Lockett, who had a monstrous game, um, four for 102. I think Lockett, again, um, a player that I like, despite the fact that he's on the Seahawks. Um, but I think he is also going to be very boomer bust throughout the year since the Seahawks tend to spread the ball around a lot. And on that offense, it'll probably be Lockett, Metcalf, and Everett battling it out week to week. Um, in terms of the running back situation, Chris Carson is the clear lead back on this offense and a solid RB2 slash flex play, which I personally had him for that um, position last year and was never really disappointed by his floor and always decently surprised by his ceiling. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and then on the flip side of things, um, the Colts running back duo looked great. I'm really, really surprised. <laughs> uh, not that I'm surprised by the talent, just, you know, again, this is a backfield that I personally don't like to touch when it comes to fantasy drafts, but Hines and Taylor went for 198 all-purpose yards, um, playing from behind basically the entire game. Pascal looked pretty solid, but Seattle's secondary is also questionable at best. So I think you kind of have to hold on and see how it goes down. Um, Carson Wentz saw a lot of pressure from the Seahawks D-line, but held his own surprisingly. I think he looked a lot better than when he um, looked in Philly. So I think once the Colts O-line gets healthy, because there's a lot of guys who are like um, out because of injuries, we should see better numbers from him and this offense. All right. <laughs> I know you're a big Carson Wentz fan. Uh, oh my gosh. I can't wait for him to start tanking. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about this game Jaguars versus Texans. I oh, think, yes. like, everybody was surprised by this game. This is so crazy. The Jaguars looked how everyone expected the Texans to look, which is bad. <laughs> Um, you know, number one draft pick Trevor Lawrence had 51 pass attempts and made quite a few mistakes, but there were a few flashes where you, you recognize like, okay, like Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. Mm -hmm. But again, as I mentioned earlier, freaking urban Meyer is like, it's absolutely crazy. They threw the ball 11 times before they ran it once. Like, for whatever reason, Urban Meyer has a vendetta against James Robinson, you know, Uh first ego drafting ATN, and then for this game, like, giving Carlos Hyde more snap carries than James Robinson. I think super concerning as a James Robinson owner, but uh, if you're trying to look on the bright side of things, you can argue that the game script was against the run pretty much the whole game since they were trailing so bad. but I don't know. Hopefully, Urban Meyer keeps his word and we see more usage out of James Robinson in this upcoming week. Okay. And then the Texans defense <laughs> played surprisingly well this week. And as did Tyrod Taylor, I think this is the best um, the, the best game he's ever had in his NFL career. 
Um, Mark Ingram was serviceable as a running back two or flex play. Brandon Cooks had a couple of deep catches. Those two are probably the ones to own moving forward if you want any part of the Texans offense, which I still don't. Um, but, you know, Cooks especially, he looks to be quarterback proof, which is um, good for anybody who owns Cooks out there. I know, I think during our draft release six, I think it was uh, Kevin Chen, actually, he took Brandon Cooks. And I was like, why did you take Brandon Cooks? And he's like, oh, you know, he's a good right receiver. I'm like, yeah, but who's throwing to him? <laughs> well, Kevin um, Chen knows, you know, he's got some. That's why he's the commissioner. We'll see. <laughs> it works out for him. Uh, Eagles, Falcons, take us. Oh, Eagles. Game of Falcons. the birds. Yes. Game of battle of the birds. So the Eagles won here 32 to six. So I obviously am a big Jalen Hurts truther, as you know, from the end of last season. I streamed him for mm -hmm. the championship game, picked him up. Sunday morning, started him, carried me to the ship. Jalen Hurts looked good. He, I think he's going to move the ball extremely well this season. And I'm not just saying that because they had a really easy matchup against the Falcons. Um, and because Jalen Hurts looks so good, I think the Eagles' offense is really going to outperform expectations. So Jalen Hurts completed 77% of his passes on Sunday for 264 yards and three touchdowns. He also averaged 8.9 yards per carry for 62 yards on the ground. And we all know that dual threat, that mobile quarterback is so, so important um, in modern NFL and like modern fantasy. And then, of course, um, we have first round draft pick Devontae Smith, who Milton, did you end up drafting Devontae Smith? I know you were really excited about him when I was telling you. I got um, him in three teams. Him. You did? Yeah. Nice. I have him here stacked up in my other team in League Three. Did you start him? Nope. Should have. Should have. Should have because Devontae Smith. It's preseason. Um, <laughs> he's as good as advertised. He went uh, six, six of eight targets for 71 yards and one touchdown. Um, and then you had Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell, who put together 156 all-purpose yards. I think if either of those running backs um, gets hurt, it would be a significant boost in fantasy value for the other one, even though, you know, preseason everyone was praising Boston Scott. I don't really think he's part of the discussion, at least from what we saw over the weekend. And then mm -hmm. Dallas Goddard had a really good game. Um, Zach Ertz um, is actually dealing with a hamstring injury that seems to be lingering this week. So it'll be Goddard at least for a couple of weeks. And he went four for 42 with a touchdown this game. So great play for me personally, who as a Goddard owner in two leagues, um, very excited. Nice. Uh, <laughs> on the other side of the things, uh falcons o-line atrocious yeah Oof. trash trash <laughs> nothing nothing no matt ryan did not have any time to throw the ball at all and therefore it was super hard for calvin ridley and kyle pitts to do anything and i think ridley obviously high adp this year he typically 
I feel like goes later and always outperforms his projections. People are finally seeing him for the talent that he is. But this game, like he, there was no way he can get the ball because Matt Ryan couldn't get the ball off. And then if you drafted Kyle Pitts at his ADP, you're probably panicking right now because he looks like, you know, he's still learning the ropes still, obviously his first big NFL game. He had a lot of targets, but just didn't really look spectacular at any point in the game. Um, but there's not really much you can do at this point. I think there's not a lot of, um, at least from what I've seen in my leagues, there's not a lot of waiver wire options or free agent options out there for tight ends. So I think you just have to give it a, a few weeks and hope that the Falcons get their shit together. <laughs> um, you know, Gage was invisible in this game. Mike Davis looked decent, showed some explosiveness, but man, just like in general, the Falcons looked so rough, like the entire game. It was, it was sad. I encourage you all to see a picture of uh, Matt Ryan lying, laying on the turf, just like a baby, you know, upside down <laughs> after being destroyed. That's the that's everything you said in the picture. <laughs> exactly. And the Chargers versus the what the f team or WFT. <laughs> Yeah, this was um this was a good game. I thought, you know, I felt like it was going to be not for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, not for Ryan Fitzpatrick, but for everyone else, you know, I I knew this was going to be a competitive game going in. Um, both team great defenses. Um, Chargers took this game twenty to sixteen. And Justin Herbert, I think if you started him as your QB one, he only scored 14 points. And but if you watch the game, you know that he actually looked great except for one pass. He just, for whatever reason, well, not for whatever reason, Washington football team has one of the best defenses in the league. So yes, Justin do. Herbert was just struggling to find the end zone. But you know what? His connection with Keenan Allen is for real. These two guys are going to be playing cash with each other most of the year. So if you have Keenan Allen, um, and Chargers, what was that? That was my first pick. Nice. Yeah. I mean, if you have this guy like, and they have a good matchup, like him and Justin Herbert, they're just going to play catch with each other. Like most of the year. I hope so. Um, I think what's most concerning to a lot of people, this is probably a lot of people's, uh, week one, like, overreaction slash panic is what we saw in this game is Austin Eckler, which is a lot of people's running back one. He is the running back two on a couple of my teams for me, mm -hmm. but he's no longer being peppered with targets. Now that Anthony Lynn is not the offensive coordinator for the chargers anymore. Um, I think that will change as the season goes on. You know, he had a rough game one last year but then you know finishes one of the top running backs on the year this is a case where you just kind of have to hold and hope that his usage trends up in the coming weeks like you can't really drop him if you um oh God, no. if you picked him up as your running back one like who are you gonna bump up you know but the good news is he was still getting red zone usage so that's at least a good sign now jared cook um, surprisingly has a strong, had a strong role in this offense. And, you know, I know he's kind of aging, but I think he has a decent floor with some, and he'll probably have some big 
touchdown game. So if you are panicking on your tight end situation, um, you should try picking up Jared Cook. He's not a bad option. Um, you probably can't do that in League 5, I think it was, because I picked him up right before I recorded this when I was making all those notes. So um, any other league, yeah, go and pick up Jared Cook. All right. And then on the Washington football team side of things, Ryan Fitzpatrick, injury reserve with a hip subluxation. I don't know what hip subluxation is, but it sounds extremely painful. Um, really sad, you know. I was really excited to see some Fitz magic happen this year, but now we just have some Fitz tragic. Wow, um, nice <laughs> I think I personally I don't believe in Taylor Heineke, and he didn't get a lot of practice in you know, training camp and in preseason, he didn't get a lot of reps because I think Washington football team is really banking on Fitzpatrick being the guy. So now Heineke is coming into play. I think that's a downgrade for Scary Terry for all, uh, for all you Terry McLaurin owners out yeah. there, unfortunately. Um, maybe Heineke will prove me wrong this week. I don't know. We'll see. But I think Antonio Gibson, you know, seven targets, five mm -hmm for 121 and one touchdown he is definitely he will be a full workhorse the rest of the season and i think this team is going to rely on him a lot for the remainder of the season with fitzpatrick out so if you're a gibson owner lucky you that's right now the steelers versus bills 23 to 16. what happened there oh man Milton, I think Steelers came back with a vengeance because we keep trash talking them I, um, mm -hmm. about them being the worst 11-2 team in NFL history. We're not the only ones. You know, that was really hyped up in media and other podcasts and just general consensus. Um, I will say, even though they won this game 23-16, Big Ben looked washed out there. And he was really propped up by having a solid receiving core. Um mm -hmm. Deontay looks to be Ben's first look on most of the passes. I, I saw just whenever uh, um, there was a snap and Deontay was in play, that's kind of where Ben's eyes were kind of drifting to see if he was open. Um, Chase Claypool torched Levi Wallace most of the night and looked pretty good and got that 25-yard carry. But I think he'll be very boomer bust week to week. And then Juju, Juju looked okay. Again, very boomer buzz. I think fine to play those two as a wide receiver three reflex play, but um, it's very game script dependent. The Steelers O-line, I think, might cap some of Najee Harris's ceiling, but his usage in this game was very, very promising for Najee um, owners. Might be disappointed by the numbers in week one, but he played 100% of snaps. So the opportunities are there. He went 16 carries, three targets. Um, I think he can only go up from there, which is great if you own him. Yeah, he's just a rookie. Um, I guess yeah. Big Ben doesn't look that big anymore, right? He slimmed down, so I think his whole power was being big. 
<laughs> now he's slim and old. Yeah, I did. It was really funny though. I think there was like one drive where he tried to run it for a little bit, and I think made it like two yards. <laughs> and it's just so funny because he's such a big guy. Like, see him like try to run the ball. You're just like, what are you doing? He's not yeah. agile at all. Need more pounds, man. Shut <laughs> off. All right. What, what did our boy uh, Allen do in, with Bills? I think Josh Allen was fine. It was just not his best game. Obviously, he was up against the Steelers defense, you know, the Steel Curtain, which is a very, very good defense. Um, he didn't look great, but I don't think he's regressing to, you know, the 2019 season Allen. He missed a couple of throws, had the fumble, but also made a lot of great plays. And um, I think Steelers defense just played an incredible game. Um, Zach Moss was another healthy inactive that happened over the weekend. Um, the team said that they thought Breda was the better player, but on this offense, in terms of running backs, like Singletary was is basically one A and one B. Like Breda got very little usage. Um, Diggs was solid. Volume is there. I, I think, again, no need to panic. Just not the best game from this offense as a whole against the Steelers' defense. I think it'll it'll go up. Like, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Be happy. They just played the toughest defense out there. Mm -hmm. Now, the Niners-Lions. I was listening to this one on the radio. Seems like the Lions took a scare out of the Niners at the end. Oh man, Milton, I swear to God, Bear, being a Bear sports fan is so tough. I felt like I was watching a Giants game, you know, and <laughs> talk a little baseball here, but like the San Francisco Giants, we always had what we call the torture ball, where essentially we can be leading by like crazy amount of runs, but somehow the bullpen will close the like close up the game for us where we're barely leading and then they somehow clinch it at the end which is what happened in this Niners game mm -hmm. um it was you know it was a blowout for most of the game and then somehow the Lions caught up and gave us a little scare but uh Raheem Mostert oh, <laughs> Raheem okay. Mostert Colonel Most Mustard is made of glass man this guy went two for 20 and then goes down and after the game, he's elect he's announced that he's electing to undergo a season-ending surgery on his knee so that he can quote unquote come back 110%. That sucks for most of owners. I would again, this is a situation where I said I would never take Moster, even though he is the he was the clear lead back um, in this um, in this offense. But I, I personally would never take him. And, you know, after the game, the reports came out that he had actually been dealing with this injury on and off throughout the entire preseason. And that um, the, the injury during the game was a re-aggravation, which, again, makes you think, Kyle Shanahan, why would you sit Trey Sermon out? Like, I know... Uh, Elijah Mitchell and Michael Hasty both play special teams and Sermon does not, but like still like knowing that Mostert has been dealing with this injury, you gotta surround yourself with a little bit more options there. Um, Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk, if you had him, he put up a dud for you. He played behind Trent Sherfield and really didn't do much the entire game coming off that uh, hamstring injury in the preseason. 
Uh, Debo Samuels, though, embrace this guy as a stud while you can, while he's healthy. He went nine for 189, one touchdown. He had 48% of the target share and looked great in short passing attacks. And then George Kittle. George Kittle didn't do much this game, but, you know, he still had 20% of the target share, which is was ranked seventh in target share for tight ends in week one, which is not bad um, considering we all know the tight end situation out there is pretty rough. Um, I think obviously it'll only get better from there. Jimmy G, Milton, my boy Jimmy G looks good. He looked no, comfortable he in the pocket the entire game, um, including that 79-yard touchdown pass where he was like immediately clobbered by three defenders after he completed that pass. And I feel like not enough people are talking about it because everyone's, you know, on the Trey Lance hype train. Like, obviously we know Trey Lance is ultimately going to be the guy, but like Jimmy G looks good this year. This is like, um, this is the Jimmy G of old, the one who led us to the Super Bowl a few years ago. Okay. I'll let you keep your Jimmy G for a little longer. What about the Lions? Oh, the Lions. So the Lions may be one of the league's weakest teams on paper, but actually a reliable source of fantasy points um, while trailing in games. So um, former Chargers offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn is now leading um, the chi- the Lions offense. And as we know, he loves to throw the ball to running backs. That's why the Chargers had such a run-heavy offense. Now it's the Lions' turn. Um, DeAndre Swift who right before the game, they were saying like, oh, he's being downgraded. They're going to use more of Jamal Williams. Both had great fantasy performances. And I'm so glad I went with my gut in my money league and I flexed DeAndre Smith instead of, um, I don't even remember who I was thinking about putting in after I saw the report that he may be limited in usage, but he had 20.4 points and Jamal Williams put up uh, 21 points. So... Don't don't be concerned about the disparity in production between these two running backs. Um, you know, Swift played 63 snaps, Williams played 32. I think a two to one ratio is gonna be keyed in on this backfield, barring an injury. I think take advantage of these two players um while you can. They are seeing an elite level of usage, which is all we could ask for in fantasy. And then beyond beyond the um, running back production, we got a very nice eight for 97, one touchdown stat line from TJ Hawkinson, who yeah. was second in targets at the tight end position for this week with 10 behind only Darren Waller. So Lions defense looked terrible. <laughs> Great for fantasy. Play the matchups. If your offense is going against the Lions, um, expect some high-scoring games. And, you know, even though the team doesn't look great, there are serviceable um, players that you can really hone in on for your fantasy team. Yeah, I like these lines. I like these lines. They're fun. They're fun to watch. Uh, what about my Bengals? They went against the unvaccinated Vikings. Yes. Vikings, Bengals. So I was very, you know... Very hopeful for the Bengals. I'm glad they pull out the win, 24 to 27. Barely, yeah. Yeah. Dude, Joe Mixon. <laughs> Joe Mixon is finally <laughs> the running back one you drafted him to be. 
I've had Joe Mixon, I swear, on my team for the last like four years. And it's always like, is this mix on or mix off? But this week it was mixed on. He had 34 touches, 29 carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown. The leading um, rushing yards on the week. I originally thought this game was going to be a shootout. So I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see the rest of the season, how they uh, balance the pass and run usage for the team. But my boy, Joe Burrow, looks solid. That's my boy, not your boy. Oh, I, you know me. I'm a big Joe Burrow fan. Um, I was so sad I didn't get to see him. Like, he went down right before I was about to see him play in Cincinnati last fall. Uh, but he looks so good. 20 for 27, 261 yards, and two touchdowns. And then Jamar Chase, his buddy from LSU, Looks like he will be a stud this season as well, you know, coming off of some rocky reports in the preseason. Um, I think a lot of people were tempering their expectations, but he he definitely, definitely showed up. Uh, Higgins got some play as well. I think this week, uh, Tyler Boyd was the odd man out. But the Bears in this upcoming week, the Bears have an abysmal slot cornerback. So Boyd should have a good week this upcoming week. I think he's a solid flex play if you need it. Um, but overall, like I'm excited to see what this Bengals team does. Um, and hopefully Joey B doesn't get hurt again. That's all I can ask for. <laughs> but on the flip side, did you watch this game, Milton? No, I couldn't. Oh, Mister. the Vikings did not look like a professional football team. Like they had a bunch of false starts, illegal formation penalties. It was like they've never played football or like it was like a high school yeah. football team. Um, Adam Thielen, you know, Kirk Cousins security blanket had 10 targets, went nine for 92 and two touchdowns. Um, Dalvin Cook looked great as always 20 rush attempts seven targets and he played about 70 percent of snaps so no worries there if you're a Thielen or cook owner so the vikings being unprofessional even with their vaccination status and gameplay everything is just amateurish about these guys yeah i i just don't like them i hate them anyways jets versus panthers yes the jets revenge game <laughs> Yeah, uh, Panthers won this one, 19-14. Uh, Jets looked really bad on offense. Their offensive line is a big, big issue here. Corey Davis, clear number one on this team with five for 97 and two touchdowns. But Zach Wilson didn't look good against Carolina, which is kind of concerning, um, considering that Carolina's defense is not that good. But I think he'll have more opportunities, obviously, to get his bearings. He needs, you know, rookie quarterback. You really need to learn on the field. Um, but I think it's gonna it's gonna take some time before they they start to get themselves a little cleaned up. I, I you know, I still want to see how this offense shapes up with Robert Saleh. But in terms of this game, the the run game is non-existent do not you don't need to own any of the jets running backs they can just sit out there on the wire yeah we talked about um cmc 
and the potential of injuries going into the season. But this guy is an absolute cheat code. You know, he was RB1 on the week. Uh, he went 9 for 89, 21 carries, 25 points, no touchdowns. To be an <laughs> RB1 with no touchdowns, um, you know, and this has only happened like one other time in the last like couple of years. Uh, guess, guess who it happened to? Uh, himself. It was himself. Yeah, he's like the only guy. I'm <laughs> like, how? This is crazy. Um, so if you had the first overall pick and you didn't draft him, like you're an idiot. No offense. Whoa. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a hot take. Not a hot take. No, um, not at all. I think the rest of this offense, you know, DJ Moore still the number one wide receiver on this team. Robbie Anderson, he got one big play with a 57-yard touchdown, but only three targets. I think this offense is 100% the CMC show. I would not play Robbie Anderson other than the occasional flex with CMC on this offense. Oof. CMC, an anomaly, the only white kid doing all this. <laughs> that makes it even weirder. Anyways, uh, you want to take a little break? You've been talking and talking. Oh, you're good. I'm good. <laughs> all right, let's take this. Cardinals versus oh, the horrible Titans, 38 to 13. 38 to 13. Yeah, Cardinals looked great. Kyler Murray, absolute stud. 21 for 32, 289 yards and four touchdowns. And then a huge game for Christian Kirk. Um, I think, you know, obviously Christian Kirk being a week one breakouts, I think you have to temper your expectations for week one breakouts. Obviously, we already had the waiver wire this week. So a lot of people um, picked up Elijah Mitchell, Christian Kirk. Nobody actually put a claim on him in the leagues that I was in. So I snagged him off as a free agent because – they do have a great matchup in the upcoming week against the Vikings. I think he's serviceable, at least as a flex play for the next few weeks. And then you just kind of have to see because a lot of these week one breakouts, um, they don't last very long. It's the, the stats, it's very low um, for a week one breakout to be consistent for the remainder of the season. But he's at least serviceable as a flex play for the next few weeks. Now, D-Hop, of course, looks great. AJ Green looked about as toast as everyone made him out to be in the preseason. <laughs> and he just did not look in sync with Kyler Murray. Like there's no, there's no connection there. They weren't, um, you know, wasn't a Matt Stafford Cooper cup situation, which we'll get into later. And then the Cardinals defensive line absolutely dominated this game. Chandler Jones had six tackles, five sacks and two forced fumbles by himself. Yeah. by himself alone like so beware of upcoming matchups you know like we i think a lot of times when we look at fantasy players to play we look at usually projected points some people look at you know whether whether they're playing the dome or not if they're playing at home but be mindful of you know who your um offensive players are matched up with on the de defensive side because if it's Chandler Jones, I'd temper your expectations on that week. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, Titans O-line looked terrible. <laughs> As we expected, you know, Milton, you and I talked yeah. about this. Um, 
Titans were, for whatever reason, losing their entire team during the offseason, um, either shipping them off or not signing them, whatever. Uh, and then Julio, you know, he never saw a rep with Tannehill before this game. And Tannehill throws a much different ball than Matty Ice. And their connection just wasn't good. AJ Brown, on the other hand, looked good when there was enough time to get him the ball. And then that one drive um, we had where Derek wasn't getting hit in the backfield. He had 38 yards on five runs. Overall, it's just like a terrible, terrible performance by the Titans. Kind of the same situation as the Falcons, where um, if you drafted any of these players at their ADP as, you know, your running back one, in your case, wide receiver one, um, <laughs> I think you have to give it a, at least another week before you panic drop because there's not really a lot you can do here. But, man, the Titans look bad. Man, Julio, got to catch that weird ball by Tannehill, right? <laughs> and then we had a great, great, great game. I did see this one. Browns versus Chiefs uh, coming from behind to beat them 33-29. Yeah, such a good game. But this was my hot take of the week Ooh, last week. Your... Um, oh, yes, you did. I did. I called this one. Chiefs, they would, they would take it. The game would be close. The Chiefs would not cover. Um, I should start. I really wow. should start sports betting, Milton. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's my key takeaway from this game. <laughs> um, but Browns, Browns were able to run the ball effectively, and they were really contenders for about I would say three quarters of the game. Um, in terms of fantasy, I think they like to spread the ball a little around a little too much for any pass catcher to be consistent. You know, cream. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are the guys you want on this offense. 15 carries and two touchdowns for Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt went six for 33 in a touchdown. Um, Jarvis Landry in this game, you know, he's a reliable receiver with trick play potential. And he can get some big weeks, I think, while OBJ is out, which is also when we know um, Baker and this offense are really clicking. They do great when OBJ is not playing. Um, Stefanski just <laughs> – he just said this morning that OBJ will be out in this week too. So um, I think the Browns will look good for another week. <laughs> um, and there's value in, you know, having Jarvis Landry um, either as a wide receiver three or a flex play for your team. Mm -hmm. And then I won't talk too much about the Chiefs. You know, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, of course, 27 for 33, 337 yards and four touchdowns. Tyreek Hill had 15 targets, 11 for 197, one touchdown. Travis Kelsey, six for 76, and two touchdowns. Basically just Kansas City Chiefs doing Kansas City Chiefs things. Um, I would say the mm -hmm. only person kind of a concern, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, not looking great, even though he had 14 rush attempts, three targets, and played 73% of snaps. I think this offense you know Patrick Mahomes is just too good he's gonna throw the ball and he's gonna throw the ball to Tyreek Hill Travis Kelsey and I think the run game is just not a priority for the Chiefs um yeah. maybe keep him on as a RB2 slash flex play but um I there's better options out there well maybe not now but <laughs> at the draft there there were better options out there oh CH. You should pick up. Then we had the Dolphins versus the Pats. Mac Jones game. 
McCorky is better known. <laughs> it looked kind of good. Talk, take us through it. Uh, yeah, it was a tight game, surprisingly. Um, two on the Dolphins actually held their own. They won 17 to 16. Mm -hmm. Waddle, Jalen Waddle looks like a real playmaker. Oh, yes. I'm personally not a big Tua believer, so I tempered my expectations on Waddle going into the draft and just for the season. Um, I just... You know, I when I think of Jalen Waddle, I think of him as a wide receiver too or solid flex play. But he looked really good. Um, he looked really good in this game. However, Will Fuller is coming back around. Um, I think he comes off suspension this week, actually. So we'll have to keep a close eye on, you know, how Waddle does once Will Fuller gets mixed back in. Uh, Miles Gaskin, the clear lead back for the Dolphins, nine carries, five targets, played about 54% of snaps. Um, and then on the flip side, on the on the Pats, Damian Harris looked great, super efficient, definitely the top option for the Pats. And if anyone needs a running back two or flex, Mac Jones looked very solid. Um and this offense felt so much more dynamic with him at the helm than with uh, Cam at the helm last year. They do tend to spread the ball around a lot from what I saw of this game. So no clear winners or losers on the Pats offense yet. And then James White, he looked like a safety valve there and mm -hmm. definitely has some value, I think, especially since we are playing half PPR. And then if any of you are playing PPR leagues outside of the gridiron monks. That's right. We are professionals and we do half PPR. PPR full is for babies. Uh, Broncos versus Giants. Kind of a boring game. I don't know. Yeah, it was an okay game. Um, Broncos won 27 to 13. Jerry Judy is now oh, out yeah. with a high ankle sprain. He was um, on the NFL injury reserve list. Mm -hmm. High ankle sprains, you know, typical six to eight week recovery minimum. And I feel like when guys go out with a high ankle sprain, we saw this with Jimmy G last year, like when they come back, they're like, not really, a, even if they're like, you know, they cleared the the medical, like they're a hundred percent clear to play. They're not really playing at a hundred. I think it, this is an injury that really impacts um, a player's explosiveness. Um, which is what Jerry Judy had. Like, this honestly really sucks because he really showed out over the weekend. And, you know, like, the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about how much I like Jerry Judy's connection with Bridgewater mm -hmm. going into the season. And, you know, he's a second-year wide receiver. This He had all the makings to break out this year. So this really sucks for the Judy owners, especially – I forget who it was. Somebody took him in the fifth round. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't I'm not really sure if he's worth an IR spot in your fantasy team. I know we do have the spot on all of our leagues, but you know, again, he just depends so much on explosiveness. And I think coming off of a high ankle sprain, even if you're quote unquote healed, I don't think he's gonna regain that explosiveness back right away. So you're basically banking on him to hopefully get back in the game at a decent level in like I don't know, week 10, 11, the earliest. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty late into the season to be, you know, hoping for a miracle. Mm -hmm. um, 
Cortland Sutton didn't see a lot of targets, but I think obviously he'll get worked in now with Judy out. I'd actually take uh, Tim Patrick on this offense if I needed a wide receiver. He's the only wide receiver to have 70-plus targets and no drops last year. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is a smart, safe quarterback. And, you know, he'll be looking for his security blanket. I think Tim Patrick could be the guy. Um, Noah Font could be the guy. 22% of target shares for a tight end, which is number five on the week. The, both Tim Patrick and Noah Font, I think, are upgrades on this offense with Judy out. Um, Javante Williams, he had more carries than Melvin Gordon. But both look like flex starts to me. They're very touchdown dependent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Packers. Ooh, the Packers versus Saints. Three. Packers versus Saints. 38. I don't really know what to say about the Packers. Aside from the fact that I think Aaron Rodgers is trying to tank his own team. Um. You know, there was a lot of drama in the offseason, and it was almost like he came back and said, okay, I guess I'll play, but can't promise I'll be any good. And (laughs) that whole offense just fell apart in this game. So it's so hard to judge what the future holds because you have your MVP quarterback, and he played like that. Like, what does that mean? (laughs) Um, I think that if they blow this week against the Lions, like it's time for a fire sale. Like this is not a team I want to be touching if they look bad against the Lions this week. I'm hoping they won't. I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers, maybe just a rough day for him and all the shame that he's probably getting on the internet. Maybe that'll light a little fire under his ass and, you know, he'll really show the Lions. Um, that's the hope. That's the hope. Um, but I am, you know, very glad as a Rodgers owner. By the way, I drafted Rodgers as a backup to Jalen Hurts in my money league. Um, I sat him, and people on Saturday Smart. were like, yeah. On Saturday night, um, someone was looking at my fantasy lineup. They're like, you're sitting Aaron Rodgers? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, but it's Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, no. <laughs> That's not a good enough reason. Um, on the other side of things, how about my Jameis Winston Remember? Yes, Jameis Winston. This is such a weird game, such a weird game. Jameis Winston had the lowest yardage um, for five touchdowns. This is the lowest yards um, for someone who completed five touchdown passes since 1948. Only 148 yards, 14 completions, and again, five of them being touchdowns. I swear, if this isn't the best ad for LASIK, like, I don't know what is. Like, yeah, <laughs> guy got LASIK. All of a sudden, he could see clear as day, and he's just throwing touchdowns. Um, I think if you need a streaming QB, you can't really lean on him for the yardage, but the ceiling is there, um, especially in this upcoming week. Great matchup against Carolina. And then I think everybody else on that Saints offense is um, going to be very subject to game script, whether or not they are efficient, except for Alvin Kamara, which we know he will always be great. Unless he gets, barring an injury, he will be great. Oh, no. Please, no. I love James Winston. <laughs> the James Winston experience just keeps adding new things. It was a 30-30, and that's just five touchdowns with less than 150 yards. This guy is an anomaly. Amazing. <laughs> And then we had, oh, 
hate that they keep putting the Bears in prime time. The most boring team ever. Unless <laughs> they use Justin Fields. Yeah, Bears versus Rams. Rams won 34-14. I think to nobody's surprise, the Bears are bad. Although, I'm going to say, like, for a second, though, when the game first started, I thought Matt Nagy had a plan because he has been saying that Andy Dalton's a starter. Like, doesn't matter. Andy Dalton, Andy, Andy's a guy. Dalton's a guy. He's going to be starter. And then that first drive, he put Justin Fields in, and I was like, oh, wow, okay. Like, maybe, maybe they have, like, a secret plan, you know? Like, you can't game script for a guy you didn't expect to put in the game. But no, they just they didn't even have him pass the ball. They just had him run it in and then blew the rest of the game. Um <laughs> like if you're gonna if you're going to put a rookie quarterback in, like you want him to get familiarized with, you know, being in like a high-level game script. And he didn't let Justin Fields throw a pass at all even when they were you know trailing from behind the game was pretty much over like this is a point where you just throw in your rookie quarterback so he can practice you know for a few snaps um but no none of that <laughs> crazy but the rest of this offense David Montgomery went 16 for 108 against the Rams Montgomery's a stud the Rams defense gave up there was not a single game last season where they gave up over a hundred rushing yards and David Montgomery did it, um, <laughs> you know, in a negative game script on a bad yeah. offensive team. So he, he, he's great. I own him in at least one league. Um, yeah. yeah. Allen Robinson. Okay. I think Andy Dalton, he didn't look terrible, but he didn't look good. You know, I actually do remember, like, a, I want to say three years ago, maybe, I streamed Dalton for a few games when he's still on the Bengals. Like, he's serviceable. He's just not great. He's okay. <laughs> Pretty vanilla uh, for a redhead. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But on the other side, Matthew Stafford. Remember, he doesn't want to be called Matt. It's Matthew. <laughs> Yes, Matthew Stafford. I've uh, another one of like my my guys. You know, I've been on the Matthew Stafford hype train for years. He's finally on a competent team and went 20 for 26. We know this dude's got a cannon and he never gets hurt for the most part. He finally has a good offensive line. He's got weapons all around. And I think this season we'll really see what Stafford is made of. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to say they are one definitely playoff contenders like i'm just gonna I, oh, I totally. like week one they're totally playoff contenders i would say they're super bowl contenders yeah. um cooper cup is the definitely the guy to own on this offense i have him in one of my leagues um i think after the game they were interviewing stafford you know they were talking about his connection with cup and he was saying like you know like cooper cup and i are pretty much always the first ones on the field at practice and we've had a lot of time to connect they're basically like having coffee and eating breakfast out there <laughs> together every day and you know that's the type of guy that you want on your team like he has that connection with the quarterback um and it really showed during this game uh robert woods his targets were a little bit low for having played you know about 40 something snaps uh, and then Tyler Higby looked like a clear third option on this offense. So I'm really excited to see how the Rams do this year. Mm -hmm. 
And then we had the super crazy two walk-off touchdown in the end game. Ravens versus Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. So this is a like I said, it was a it was a trap game. You know, Ravens were heavily favored, even with their entire backfield wiped out besides Tyson Williams. And you know, Raiders, that was just kind of a weird game i don't know if you watched the full thing yes of course it's just it was so weird it w- didn't feel like i was watching like nfl felt like i was watching like college ball because there was just like a lot of um weird plays happening like everything was kind of a toss-up did you watch the manning broadcast though or the regular broadcast i do want to segue into that a little bit no i did not know i just watched the regular espn oh you know me i'm big Peyton Manning guy, but I love the the Manning broadcast. So they had the Manning brothers, Eli and Peyton, and they're sitting there covering the game. And the beginning was a little bit, at first I was like, what is this? What is happening? A little weird, (laughs) but then they got their bearings. It was really fun to watch because, um, well, first of all, obviously it's the Manning brothers, you know, and we never, I felt like we never really get to see their dynamic. They were playing in the NFL at the same time on different teams. So they didn't really interact with each other a lot, but this is kind of like a glimpse into the Manning household. They were super funny, super sarcastic. And then, you know, throughout the game, they started to bring in these other like celebrities and, or like superstars. They started to bring in like guys from the current season. Um, Travis Kelsey came on, um, Russell Wilson came on. It was really fun because, like, they were all just – it felt like we were – it felt like you were in the room with them just watching football. And they talk about – they're talking about the game not as, like, you know, like as analysts slash experts. They're talking as if, like, you and I would be sitting in the living room, like, on our couch. Like, you know, something would happen. They'd be like, what the – what was that? Like, that was so dumb. Like – so, you know, it felt very, like, real, felt very raw. But at the same time, obviously, being the elite players that they are, they have, like, the additional, like, game knowledge. So it was, like, fun. It was, like, you're watching um, watching football at home with, like, you know, real professionals, and they can give you, like, an extra insight. But then you guys can all also, like, um, cry and complain about the same things. So I thought it was really great. Yeah. Um, I, I, but, Yeah. Keep going. Um, yeah, I was, so I, let's talk about the actual game, though. Uh, I think Lamar's passing looked better, but his O-line gave him almost no time to work. And if that doesn't get better, I think it's going to be a big issue. And, like, Lamar's passing looks better, but that's not, really not saying much. He's just like, I don't know, like, his throws are so weird to me. Um. Tyson Williams looked fast. He had great breakaway speed, but not a great pass blocker. Um, John Harbaugh came out yesterday and said that the team is blessed to have four running backs like Tyson Williams, you know, Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, yeah, Lev Bell. And he declined to go talk about the workload. He said, you know, we got four backs in the mix. We're going to play all those guys. I think. Tyson Williams, still a solid RB2 play, especially if you lost Gus Edwards. Like, I hope you got Tyson Williams or somebody serviceable. Um, but Mandrews, dud. 
dud for this game. I don't know. Was he there? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, Hollywood is Hollywood. Hey, you're a little guy. He did good. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did decent. Um, better than a lot of his games last year. And then on the flip side, you know, Josh Jacobs, right before the game, that said that, well, before the game, you know, he was dealing with like an injury. And then they said that the injury was good. But then literally right before the start of the game, he got downgraded due to like being sick. But he still got 10 touches and, you know, managed 3.4 yards per carry with two touchdowns. So if you panicked when you saw that, you know, he's going to be limited due to sickness and you didn't start him, you're probably really sad because <laughs> um, who else were you going to start in that game? Mm-hmm. And then if you didn't see the news, you're probably like, oh, that's good. Did not know. But the clear number one on this offense is Waller the baller. Derek Carr peppered Waller right. with targets. Like it didn't matter what was happening. It didn't matter if it was working or not. Like this game, the only game script they seemed to be running was force feed Darren Waller, throw the ball to Darren Waller. Didn't matter if he was open. Didn't matter if he can't ca- catch it. Like that was the Raiders' only gameplay, and somehow it paid off. <laughs> okay. Whoa. So we're into um, overtime. Let's see how fast Vivian can do the week to schedule. <laughs> I know. I feel like moving forward, we might have to break the episodes up a little bit just because there's so much to talk about. Um, we might have to do, I don't know, two per week. We got to gotta figure oh, no, this we... out. Um, I think it was a lot easier at the end of last year. Obviously, at the tail end of the season, there was lots to talk about. But right now, at the beginning, You're excited. We're, we're so excited. There's so much to talk about, you know, so yeah. much to watch and just anyways, week two, um, tonight, today's Thursday, tonight, <laughs> mm-hmm. or like, it's been a crazy week, lost track of my days for a little bit. Um, tonight, uh-huh. um, primetime, not a great game, in my opinion. I'm no. going to watch it because it's primetime, <laughs> but we got Giants. At Washington football team, Washington football team favored at minus 175, um, three and a half point spread over under 40.5. I just realized we didn't even talk about the Giants when we talked about the Broncos game last week because there's not really nothing. Yeah, Yeah. there's nothing to say about the Giants except that Saquon is terrifying to own since I told you guys. The Giants don't have an urgency to push his workload. You know, they're not contenders. Um, and he really can't be efficient in this terrible, terrible uh, O-line. So mm-hmm. on the flip side, I don't this is I'm just I don't know if anyone's a Giants fan out there. I'm just trying to make you feel better. But Danny Dimes is undefeated against the Washington football team. What? Yeah. Okay. Kind of a weird, weird stat. But you know, he's also zero and five in prime time. So oh. Those those two stats kind of counter each other out. I would take the Washington football team. I would take, uh, yeah, for the spread, minus three and a half. Definitely take that. Um, okay. I would say under 40.5. I really think this will be a boring game. Uh, but then heading into Sunday, some better matchups here. Raiders at Steelers. Ooh, nice. Steelers favored, minus 260, five and a half point spread over under 47. Um, definitely, I think you can take the Steelers on this one. Mm-hmm. I think you can take the spread. 
Um, not sure about the over-under on this one. I can't really tell if it'll be a high-scoring game since, again, we just talked about the Raiders just only throw to Darren Waller, and then you have the aging Big Ben that doesn't really seem to do much. Um, <laughs> so we'll have to see. Uh, Niners at Eagles. Eagles home okay. opener. Niners are favored, minus 170. Uh, three-point spread, which yesterday, I think like two days ago, was a four-point spread, so it's closing in over under 50. I really, I don't want to say it because, you know, I'm superstitious, and I feel like if I say it, maybe say I'm it. the one who did it. But don't I do think, it. Okay. I won't say who I would take. I would just say I, I think I would take the over. Um, you know, Jason Barrett is out for the season, which is just absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and with him out, we really don't have a secondary, you know, the Niners were, I think we're a good team this year, but we have no secondary. There's talks of Richard Sherman coming back. I just saw this morning that Dre Greenlaw, our linebacker is repairing a groin injury. It's not a season ending surgery, but he is also out for the week. So I think the Eagles will sp- score some big points. Um, Jalen Hurts, as we talked about, will be great. It will be great for my fantasy teams. I'm not sure about the Niners. Um, we'll have to see. Fun game. It will be a fun game for sure. I'm excited to watch this game Sunday morning. Um, then we have Texans at Browns. So Ooh. Browns favored minus 700. Uh, 12 and a half point spread <laughs> over and wow. under 48. Um, I think you can definitely take the Browns on this one. Uh, I think last week was an anomaly. The Browns, I think, are a good team. I can't believe we're saying that. I know we talked about that a lot last year. Like, Browns are a good team now, but Browns are a good team, and Texans are a bad team that had a good week last week. <laughs> <laughs> Then we have the Broncos at um, Jacksonville. So Broncos favored minus 270, six-point spread over under 45 and a half. Um, I think you can probably take the Broncos on this one. I would take them straight up. Mm-hmm. Saints at um, Carolina. Saints favored minus 175, three-point spread over under 44 and a half. Again, I would take the Saints here. Um, are you disagreeing with any of these teams that I'm taking, Milton? Like, are you just like, no, this is my hot take for the week? So far, we're in the same train. So keep going. All right. We got Rams at Colts. Rams favored minus 200, three and a half mm-hmm. point spread over under 47 and a half. Um, I would definitely take the Rams here. I mm-hmm. do think they cover the spread. Uh, Over-unders, I feel like, is so hard to me because I have a hard time reading um, whether or not it will be a shootout or, like, a run-heavy game. So we'll just leave that alone. Um, Bills at Miami. Bills favorite at minus 180, three-and-a-half point spread over under 47-and-a-half. Would definitely take the Bills on this one. I think Josh Allen just had a rough game. I think the Bills' offense will pick up for this week. Um, then you have the battle of the rookie quarterbacks, Patriots at Jets. Patriots favored, minus 250, six-point spread over under 42. Um, definitely Patriots. Mac Jones, better quarterback than Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson really needs to get his shit together. 
Um, but yeah, I think you can take the Patriots on that one. And then wow. Bengals at Chicago. Bears are favored, minus 140. Two and a half points spread over under 45. So I think this is the week. You know, if Andy Dalton can't perform at home against the Bengals this week, like Justin Fields is going to be called up. Unless, well, Justin Fields should be called up sooner rather than later if Dalton doesn't perform this week, if Matt Nagy knew how to run a team. Uh, I'm going to take the Bengals on this one for plus 140. Yeah, me too. I yeah. Think the Bears will make it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, like, why are the Bears favored? Like, what the heck? I don't know why the people like the Bears who, so much. Who are, like, like, do they know something in Las Vegas that we don't know? Like, I don't know. Prime time, they get favored. I don't know what's wrong with the Bears. Yeah, I'm not sure about this one. Um, Falcons at Bucks, Bucks, the favorite Oof. on the week. Their favorite Structure. minus 800. Uh, 12 and a half point spread over under 52. No questions there. Bucks will take that. There's mm-hmm. no way Maddie Ice will come anywhere close <laughs> to beating mm-hmm. Tom Brady and his, you know, band of offensive weapons. Uh, Vikings at Cardinals. Cardinals favored minus 200, three and a half mm-hmm. point spread over under 50.5. It's a high, uh, higher over under than I would expect, but maybe this game will be a shootout. I'm not sure. I would take the Cardinals on that one. Me too. Then Titans at in Seattle. Seattle oh, favored God. 250. Uh, five and a half point spread over under 54. I feel like that's really high for the over under. I would take the under. I would take Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would take Seattle with the spread. So minus five and a half and then under 54 there. Then Cowboys at Chargers. So here Chargers are favored. Um, minus 180, three and a half point spread over under 55 and a half. Um, I feel like this will be a high-scoring game. I would take the over. Totally. You know, like Dak is one of the top QBs in the league right now. Looks good. Um, he's got a great, you know, he's got weapons on the offense. And But on the flip side, so does Justin Herbert. You know, Justin Herbert was the top rookie quarterback on the year. Um, weapons on his team. I think this will be a really exciting game to watch, actually. Mm-hmm. Good game. And then, you know, we got primetime Sunday night Amazing. in Baltimore. Chiefs favored minus two and a, 200, uh, three and a half point spread over under 55. Um, Chiefs, I would take the Chiefs on this mm-hmm. one. I would take uh, the spread. I think they definitely cover um, given how the Ravens looked coming off this Monday night game. Uh, I don't know about 55. I would take the under. It seems kind of high. Don't really believe in the Ravens' offense um, based on what we saw on Monday night. And But the Chiefs. But the Chiefs, yeah. The Chiefs do score a lot. So maybe that's, you know, what's making up the the mm-hmm. over underline there. Then we have Monday night football. <laughs> Lions oh, and Packers. Packers are right now favored at minus 550. The spread is 11 points and over under 48. So this, again, this is the moment where 
we're gonna see like is Aaron Rodgers okay did he like completely lose his over the (laughs) offseason um you know Packers are playing Lions who are really bad as we talked about um at home at Lambeau so this is make a break it moment for Aaron Rodgers and Mm -hmm. the rest of the Packers offense if you own any of those guys so I want to take the Packers. I won't take the spread. I don't think they cover for some reason. You know, uh, Goff and his team did did give us a little bit of a run um, this past season or this past week, the Niners. Um, so I kind of expect the same kind of game script unless, again, unless Aaron Rodgers gets his shit together. <laughs> okay. Okay. You did it. You just went through so much content today, Vivian. Um, yeah, about these games, they're pretty much very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, easy to pick. There's nothing like very balanced. They're all very disbalanced games. So just have fun. Fire up your teams over there, people. But thank you for your dedication, Vivian. Uh, you've proved to me today that you really, really, really do like to mm-hmm. talk. Because you did this without a Coke of water or beer, which... By the way, I owe you like six for putting this together. So hopefully next week I'll be back in the office finally and, you know, recording this live. Anyways, this will get you all. I hope you hear this, listen, digest it. This is gold. If you guys want to win in your leagues, listen to this podcast. Listen to Vivian. You guys will do good in your leagues. Um Remember to update your tricks with your scores as soon as week two is over. Your managers, I mean, your managers, your commissioners will appreciate this. And so tune up those lineups like good old Aaron Rodgers say, says, R-E-L-A-X, relax. Don't overreact yet. Enjoy the games. And just like Raheem Mostert being dropped out of everyone's league, we are out.